0: Hi, I'm Deepak Madnani, entrepreneur, problem solver, and amateur barista. I am on a mission to help forward-thinking entrepreneurs succeed and grow by understanding two simple rules. Crisis is a clarity opportunity, and the question is never really the question. Today, I am putting my barista skills to the test and sharing a cup of coffee with resilient problem solvers from all over the world. Let's get started. In this episode of Deepak Has Coffee, we hear part two of my interview with Peter Williams, author, speaker, writer, and serial volunteer. In part one, Peter shared how he identified his entrepreneurial strengths within the corporate landscape and used them to create a customized and passionate career of helping others. We discussed utilizing your network in the corporate landscape, following the path of least resistance, and how your mind and body tell you when your purpose is out of alignment. And now, Part two of my interview with Peter Williams. The startup world is so fascinating because it's so full of energy and ideas and curiosity and just do it and no mountain is too high. And it's just full of energy. As Peter said, I'm 50 years young. What it's are you just talking like
1: about? I'm an extra ride right around mid-levels this morning. And I went skateboarding yesterday over in Tayo's.
0: So, you know, that's the kind of physical kind of expression of his mindset. And this isn't something that he's trying to play. This is just who he is. And so I just want to make sure the audience is hearing this. So from two angles, how does it help someone like myself, who's just a typical hardcore entrepreneur? It's because Peter is bringing access to almost other dimensions that I wouldn't have access to. And I'll say this to entrepreneurs. When you're trying to get into the corporate world, or there's a product, or there's an organized business, and you know you're a scrappy little startup or a scrappy little entrepreneur, how do you bridge that gap? You have to find the champions within these organizations. They do exist. They're out there, and they're looking for the scrappy startups to come in and kind of shake up the corporate structure. One of the first questions I got, I had a guy reach out, and you can sense a frustration talking about, I'm in a corporate structure that talks about innovation but does nothing about it, and it's frustrating. I said, look, you have two opportunities here. And this is just from knowing a little bit. He literally was like a paragraph, two opportunities here. It's the wrong organization and you get what you tolerate in life, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Oh, I quit this job. And then suddenly you've got nothing to do and you've got three kids or whatever. No, no, no. That's the reality check. There's this model I have called a reality check when people are in transition. You have your ambition check and you have your reality check. And then I said, the option there is, can you make a change? Or you go find an organization now, the learning. So you kept using this word mistakes. Peter, I'm going to humbly suggest Use that as learning. Lesson one, learning lesson two, learning lesson three. Because you're just better for it, right? You, you yeah. are better for it. And go now before you go enter another organization, knock on the door and figure out, is this an innovative organization you're looking for? Because now you know. Take that learning with you and go explore. So Peter doesn't hesitate when he's exploring. By the way, he talks about his banking trajectory, talks about having four kids. And then he talks about all of this extra study he's doing and the fact that he's got so much time. (laughs) I love that because, I mean, here I am, a Muppet, just trying to get my head straight in the morning. Peter's always like, I've got so much time. I'm like, Peter, you know what? what? I hate you. (laughs) I
1: I find at the start of each year, I'm like, okay, what am I doing? I'm still in this job. What the hell? It takes me a few months to build momentum and to see a pattern and to see some projects that get me energized. And the same thing happened this year. I think this time last year, it was like, yeah, this COVID work from anywhere is a novelty. It was becoming a bit of a grind. And even though I still think work from anywhere suits my personality, I can do a hike on a Monday morning I can, with a bunch of people from LRC and and colleagues. I can come down. I can take a phone call from anywhere. It doesn't really matter. I can jump on the Vespa and ride to different meetings and catch-ups. And I can do creative, strategic emails that get my team sort of...
0: So Peter, but you are really deliberate. But you are really deliberate then about the creativity and the strategy and the passion. This is not something that's saying, you know what? I'll do it when I make enough money. I'll do it when I have enough time. Can we say that? You are supremely deliberate. Four
1: children is never going to have enough money. I know that. And that's a choice that we've made. But I want to finish that little story. So that that conversation with the private bank took, Two or three years. Partly that was because the CEO there was traveling so much. Then he took me to a nice lunch at the Lobster Bar in Chiang Lai, right? Beautiful lunch. And he said, you know what? You should just resign. He's probably right because the stuff that I'm trying to push in terms of entrepreneurship and creativity in a corporate setting is tough because you have an idea and people are so impatient. They'll say, well, how's it going to make money this month? This quarter, yeah, yeah, everything's about the quarter. And I'm like, you know what, you're missing the point. You have to be playful and experimental and do the Lean Startup. To me, the Lean Startup, which David Beattie gave me a copy of, off the back of an introduction from a neighbor here, it unlocked a lot of stuff that would have been difficult for me. I don't think I would have written my book if it wasn't for the Lean Startup. Of course, in a sentence, what the Lean Startup did is that it gives people permission not to be perfect. And for a perfectionist, that's like, oh, my God, you just unlocked a whole lot of potential can we say that again peter because this is therapy for the corporate mindset no i mean the lean startup approach gives people and companies the permission not to be perfect you put beta stamp that on something you know that it's it's going to be clunky and it's probably going to not work but the early adopters are going to embrace it anyway just because that's
0: their mindset and peter it's got nothing to do even with the lean startup it's got to do with the entrepreneurial thinking gives people the permission not to be perfect. And yeah. you know what? Even as an entrepreneur, Peter, myself, I've had to go through a lot of personal self-doubt because I was supremely successful as a student. I jumped into real life, and I think you've seen that presentation, that story. I jumped into real life. It took me almost 15 years just to start understanding the fact that it's okay not to be successful in the kind of projected sense of the word that you've taken on because of all the expectations that have been put on you. That itself is therapy. That itself is, it's a huge, massive release. What you just said there is just intense. Yeah. It unlocks so many things. And I think the concept gets distorted in a corporate
1: setting. Lean, people suddenly think, oh, you're going to do more for less budget? Awesome. And they've, they've hijacked the word and they don't even understand what it's really about. But I try to educate people. But I've got an idea that I've been pitching. I went down to Sydney and I spoke at an innovation workshop down there. Cool thing was I landed from the airport and went straight into the lobby. There was someone standing there with a milkshake because I told them I don't drink coffee. I said, look, chocolate milkshake would be cool. (laughs) We went up up in the lift and this is Rob Vary, and I don't know if he's, I'll, I'll have to forward him this and say, hey. I'm never going to forget that. I obviously took a picture. I take a lot of photos. I took a picture of the person holding it with city in the background. I said, that's cool. Went up and I spoke and I said, look, I've got an idea. I've been pitching internally for a while and let me run it by you. And here are the steps. But before I did it, the best thing, probably decision I made, I tried to get something measurable. So there's 50 people in the room. And I said, okay, before I explain this idea, how many people would choose to purchase city stock right now? And five people put their hand up which I was surprised I thought it would have been zero because at the time the economy was really bad, interest rates going down, everything else. But okay, so that's 10% of the room said, said yes. Then I described the idea and I said, okay, now let's pretend we've just implemented this idea, which is pretty much zero cost and it scales really quickly. How many people would be interested or would consider buying? And it went to 50%. So from 10% to 50, five times increment, cost almost nothing. And yet this idea hasn't been implemented because it doesn't fit in any one single silo it fits across the entire organization so no one is going to sponsor something that where there's maybe an uncertain outcome even though i think if i had the same conversation to a bunch of wall street analysts i'd get the same result and the whole stock would get re-rated i think potentially so yeah i keep on chipping away at that idea but rejected 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 so if we're talking resilience i just expect to be rejected until i'm not and then i'll implement this and then What I do for fun and what I do for work will converge and work effectively evaporates because there's no such thing as work if you're doing what you love doing. So either way, I'm going to do what I love doing. It's just, to
0: me, it's a missed opportunity. The firm hasn't embraced it yet. This is, again, gold. I want to say one thing. There's no perfection in passion. And number two is when you give yourself permission to not be perfect, as you said, all the other amazing qualities come out of which resilience being one of them. Because then you're not so much tied in to the result that you're expecting versus the result is how much are we learning on this journey? And there needs to be some sort of, and this is where, of course, Lean Startup. So I trained with Steve Blank, the godfather Mm -hmm. of Lean Startup. You know the story. And Mm -hmm. Rick Reese was his best student at Lean Startup and that grew up. And then I brought it to Hong Kong and I transformed them into... I called them the startup mentoring intensives of which I think over 2,000 people went through my workshops and I turned them into practical sessions, two-hour jam sessions and working with the canvases and stuff. And the whole concept there was to just get people out of their heads, number one. And number two, getting their hands dirty, it's almost like you're tinkering. But this isn't R&D so much. It's almost like the corporate world is A plus B equals C and you just double down on that. And then the world that's happening around the corporate world is you're doing A plus B and then C, D, E, F, G, H, I are happening at the same time. And those are the, I don't want to use the word missed opportunities, but let's just use the word that's just a changing environment that's going on. And that's Mm -hmm. where disruption comes in. So how are we adapting? How are we having this curiosity mindset in this rapidly changing world? And that's where people like you come in because you're standing on both sides of the kind of playground the corporate side and innovation side. Yeah,
1: I mean, we could talk literally for five, six, ten hours and we wouldn't have enough time to talk about all the cool things that have happened just by embracing this idea of, of lean startup and being experimental and playful and volunteering and all that. That's what the book ended up happening. And LinkedIn has become a playground too. Even last year, physical events disappeared, but virtual accelerated. I met so many people last year that have become lifelong friends just through LinkedIn I did a bunch of Seth Godin workshops. He's been writing his blog every day for 20 years and all that. He's the one that that sort of encouraged me to start doing a bit more writing and just ship it. It doesn't matter if it's perfect or not. Just get it out there. Some people will like it. Some people will hate it, but who cares, right? That's always going to happen. Then I got introduced to Derek Sivers and he wrote a book called Anything You Want. It's about him building CD Baby. And last year I did one of his workshops. So five years ago, I did the alt-MBA, the alternative to an MBA, which was like a one-month accelerated writing workshop in some ways. Then I was batch number two. There's only 200 alumni at the time. Now there's about 4,000 alumni, and they're all self-organizing, building new programs to attend, like to be a better storyteller, to be a podcast host. I did last year, which helped me finish the book, was called The Creatives Workshop. And it was about anyone that's trying to finish a project. So if you're a poet, pick up your pen and write a poem every day for a hundred days. If you're a musician, pick up your guitar. For me, pick up my laptop. I literally had a piece of cardboard beside the bed and I just drew a 10 by 10 grid. And if I picked up my laptop for five minutes, then I put a dot in one of those squares and I completed a hundred dots and the draft for the book was ready to be edited. And that's what forced it to happen. If it wasn't for that, we'd yeah. be sitting here today saying, yeah, I've got an idea for a book and one day I'll get it done.
0: Yeah, great. I mean, I tell you, Even for me kicking off this podcast, mentally, I was already last year when I was like, I got the agency I paid and some good people. And then literally six weeks, birds chirping, because our crickets chirping, you know, for six weeks, I I didn't do anything. I was just like almost frozen. I was like, all the doubts and stuff. And I took this as a self growth exercise. Let's go through this deeps, you know, let's flush out all the doubts, because clearly there's a lot of legacy still. And clearly, we know, the healing and. Paralysis that happens for entrepreneurs, fears, and I turn this into not a canceling fear practice, it's a courage practice. All of this, if we can figure out and this isn't really positive speak per se but it's a self-talk, courage practice versus getting over my fears. Let's build the courage muscle. It's like in my coaching when I'm talking to people and the masterminds I run. I said, "Look, we have all these muscles. We're just used to practicing some more than others, and guess what? Those are stronger. It's not to say that the other ones can't get strong. Once you understand the survival mechanisms that most people go through, the reactions in life, now your survival muscles are really strong. But what about the creative, the abundance, the courage, the abundance muscles? Do you know you have abundance muscles? And you start practicing that. I think that's been a clear trajectory in your life that you've just been really deliberate about.
1: Yeah. And that cool thing is another guy from the private bank, he's got the best Name for a banker on the planet. He lives in Singapore. His name is Money K. And apparently, the K is shortened from such a long word that means time in whatever language. So, time is money. His dad was kind of funny. And he runs the next generation program for City Private Bank globally. So, he takes 50 high net worth children to Singularity University one year. And he knows I'm into this stuff. He said, Hey, I don't have the budget to get you there, but if you can make your way there, you can be a fly on the wall and attend this three-day innovation workshop. So I wrote to my boss. This is actually a fun story. My regional boss on a Friday and said, hey, there's this opportunity to go. Are you okay? I'm paying. And he literally replied as fast as I pressed the send button. It came back and said, you're paying approved. And then on the Saturday, I was about to book the flight. It was going to be literally two days later on the Monday. Found a good deal. I was about to press purchase. And then I went back and said, hang on to my original bar, send him an email. Is this annual leave or something else? Because I, I didn't want to screw up my family holidays because we'd already planned a trip to Australia or something. And he came back again instantly. He said, no, no, it's self-funded professional development. Okay. And I just went, that phrase, it has been a huge boost to me because now, if I'm paying, I go and work out of New York. Or I work out of Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. Then I go to the Fuji Rock Festival. I work out of Singapore, Melbourne, Singapore, um, Sydney. And that's become such a great boost for my own energy level and creativity, because every time I go to those places, I'm connecting to the entrepreneurial people that I know in those places, including this guy. This is what I was going to build a bridge to. A guy called Greg Larkin in New York who wrote a book called This Might Get Me Fired. It's about innovation in a corporate setting and how you need to push beyond the usual corporate sort of immune system to get stuff done. And I ended up staying with he and his family in Brooklyn last year. And He's now created a group of punks, so creatives, and pinstripes. And it's a fortnightly meeting, and I've met some of the coolest people through that. In fact, I interviewed one of them, Dr. Kate Stone, just the other day. She's in LA, and one of the best conversations that I'd love people in your audience to have a listen to as well. But punks and pinstripes is creating this movement of entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs, and how do you get the benefits of both of those kind of
0: ecosystems?
1: and support each other, and, and everything else.
0: Peter, there's so much more we need to talk about. I'm conscious of timing, so yeah. we are going to start wrapping up here, but punks and pinstripes. Peter, you and I have a lot more to talk about with respect to corporate entrepreneurship. This conversation here today is getting me thinking more on the work we need to do out here. When I say we, you and me need to do yeah, out here sure. still. because we need to a-
1: collaborate. Every conversation should turn into a collaboration. Yes. I mean, my formula for building a network, And I love, you've already heard, I love alliteration, right? The five E's of the things I care about. here's my process for building a network and having any conversation. First, you make a connection, which means you can tell this person is willing to have a conversation. They're not looking at their phone. They're not looking at their watch. They're not checking out whether you've got the right title and saying, what do you do? And if you don't do the right job, then they're going to walk away, that type Mm. of thing. But you've made a connection. You keep talking to you, find something you both care about. So let's say that's corporate innovation, how to crack that code. The third thing is, now we need to collaborate. And we don't know what that collaboration will be. It could be a series of articles on LinkedIn. It could be a series of podcasts. It could be any spin-off from that. And that's why I've been capturing. That's what I captured in the book. These collaborations that kept on happening and all the people that I met along the way and, and I want to showcase and amplify the cool people I've met and the good things they're doing. And I'm treating it as a startup of one. I literally self-published, self-distributed because it's more fun and I'm learning more things bypassing Amazon putting it direct to my website, learning that Squarespace has a commerce engine, realizing that I can accept money from Apple Pay, Stripe, PayPal, Octopus, all these other tools. So I'm using it as my own accelerated lifelong learning engine. And it's morphed into a bunch of different formats. Like I'm challenging myself to turn it into 10 different pieces of content, physical, digital, Audio book. I've got a voice actor in Australia who's read it for me and I'm gonna go snowboarding with him one day and he runs a wine tour down in Dalesford, Victoria. So another lifelong friend has formed through that. Podcast is another series. Now I've got virtual book tours. So when you write your book, you'll come onto my podcast with two or three other authors and you'll get ten minutes to talk about your book. The books will be totally unrelated. Could be a children's book, a book about entrepreneurship, a cookbook, anything. And all these productive accidents keep on happening because by the
0: end of that conversation, we'll have worked out a way to collaborate. Great. Peter, people can reach you through your LinkedIn, correct? That'll be posted in the show notes here. Yeah. And my link tree is probably
1: good because it has all the different little projects that I'm involved in. So if you can post that, that would be perfect.
0: Peter, closing question. The audience knows this question, but what's the bit of advice you would have liked to have heard that you would have actually listened to at one of the important moments in your life? I'll have you choose.
1: Well, I mean, the phrase that I've been living for the last 10 years, I guess if I had known that earlier, then that could have had an impact. But I said so the phrase from the professor was distilling a 100 years of research into how innovation happens is from Ron Burt, put yourself at risk of productive accident. So there's no guarantees. You're putting yourself at risk. You're saying yes to stuff that's not necessarily part of your day job. Being invited to speak on some random podcast or an event in Indonesia on corporate innovations nothing to do with my regular day job. But every time I go and do these things, something magical happens. So you just have to put yourself at risk of productive accident, trust the process, and wait for the magic to happen. Because
0: I've basically discovered that serendipity is predictable and repeatable. Peter, from now on, I'm going to call you Peter the Magician. Does that work? Whatever, mate. Whatever. I love it. Peter, thank you so much. This was awesome. I hope you enjoyed this too, but I'm excited. I'm too wired I'm look, now this morning. I'm after looking this. forward
1: to dinner at your place tomorrow night. Cocktails from what time? What time, what time do you want me there? And Catherine?
0: 7 p.m., my friend. Let's make okay. it happen. Sounds good. Okay? Thank you. You can even give me a cup of coffee. I might even taste it. I will. You, you definitely have to try that. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, thanks, Peter. Cheers. Thank you for joining the conversation today. Did you have any moments of clarity? I would love for you to rate and review this episode. Your feedback is crucial to tailoring this content for your growth needs. If you would like to hear more, please be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn and or message me on dm at dpacascoffee.com.